I think it's a great video. I, I do have a, a question I want to start off this morning that kind of builds on that whole thought. But Have you ever been in a hurry and God hasn't been? Just show of hands. Anybody ever been in a hurry when God hasn't? Yeah. It happens, it seems like, to all of us. But I asked that this morning because I think one of the most difficult things we can do is kind of sit in God's waiting rooms or the waiting rooms of life. We've been praying, we've been hoping, we've been praying, we've been praying, almost like watching the train. Everybody wonder watching it, how long is this train, you know? It, it sometimes feels like that as we wait upon the Lord to come through, to answer in his way. And if you're uncertain what that waiting room looks like, it's, it's when something is beyond your control that you just can't speed up. It's an answer to a prayer sometimes, a miracle, a change in a situation. You want it to change, but, but you're just totally out of control. You have no ability to make it stop, make it move faster. It's like you're sitting in front of that train just waiting for its time to finally have come. And if you can relate to that, then I, and I need you to hear these next verses this morning because there's a lot of emotions that come with the waiting. And there's frustration that comes with the waiting. And there's sorrow and there's a whole bunch of stuff wrapped into that. And so this is a perspective-giving verse in the midst of all that emotion. It says this in Ecclesiastes 3.11. God does everything just right. And on time. But people can never completely understand what he's doing. Well, amen to that part of it, right? And it's true. God acts in his own time, in his own way, and he always does things for the good of those who love him. And he does things that he's on our side working for us and not against us. We know all this to be true. It's part of this faith series we've been going through. God makes these promises, and we say, hey, man, we believe that. But in the waiting, it's easy to worry, and it's easy to doubt, and it's easy to stress. And I just think so much of life we just spend in this waiting kind of room of God. So today, as we conclude this 50 Days of Faith series that we're doing, I want to look at how do you keep on believing even in the waiting rooms? Because that's when it's hardest to keep on believing, isn't it? When you're waiting and waiting and waiting. And to do that, I want to take a look at the a life of a, a man named Abraham. Because it, it, seriously, if anybody knew how to wait or had to experience this idea of waiting after a promise, it was Abraham. Because God gave him a promise when he was 76 years old that he was going to have a baby. who would be the father of a great nation. Eventually through Isaac, the nation of Israel, God answered this promise in spades. The whole nation exists today because of this promise to Abraham. God looked at Abraham and, and he said, I'm going to start over with you, buddy. The, the world's kind of gotten off again. The world's forgotten me again. And I'm going to start over with you. I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you my people. I'm starting over with you. And so powerful with this, was this promise of God that Abraham lived the rest of his life, right, trying to accomplish the very promise that, he, that God had given to him. And the promise was all centered around, centered around this promised baby, that he received finally when he was 100 years old. And I don't know about you, but that's a long time to wait. And how many of you guys are grandparents here? Just show of hands. Grandparents, proud grandparents, there you go. Not only was he 100 when he finally had a baby, he was like 150, right, or so, 140-something, you know, when he finally had grandbabies, okay? And then he lived to be like 170, 180 years old. It was only in the final twilight of his years, when he's 170, just before his death, that he finally sees one of his grandkids, okay, Finally have 12 kids, and he says, okay, the ball started to get rolling, but then he looked at the family and thought, man, they're a mess. And he never got to see Jacob kind of bring it back together. He never got to see Joseph bringing them all to Egypt. He never got to see some of the fruition of what God was doing. 
But here's the remarkable thing about Abraham. He still believed. He believed when he was 76. He believed when he was in his 80s. He believed when he was 99. And he believed all the way through his life that God would do what he said. Talk about waiting, though. That's just brutal. And I don't know about you, but it seems like an awfully long time. God's never asked me thus far to wait for anything longer than 46 years. And even in that, I don't know if I've had anything that I've been waiting for 46 years for. Maybe heaven, I guess. That's it. But, but I don't know. But if there's anybody who can teach us on the subject of waiting and trusting, even in the in-between, it's Abraham. And so what do you do when you're waiting on God? As we go through this story, I think God will give us three things um, that I think are really helpful as we learn to keep on believing in the in-between. And one of the first things he says is you need to build understanding. And understanding in this process that God kind of works us through, this process of faith, there's really six phases of faith that God works us through over and over and over again as we go through life. And it's just the way God works in us. And what is he trying to work? He's trying to work faith, trust in him. He's trying to get us to trust him more and more as we go through life, building our faith. And so one of the first phases that God almost always gives us is this idea of a dream. God says, I, I want you to accomplish this in life, or I'm going to do this in your life. And he gives us this dream, this idea, right, this ambition, a goal. And we look at Abraham, and he's 75 years old. God gives him this amazing dream. I'm going to start over with you. You're going to be my people. I'm going to give you this kid. And he said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And he gave him this amazing dream. And again, Abraham lived the rest of his life in pursuit of that dream, which just leads you then to the next phase which is the decision phase. We don't like this phase as much, but a decision is when you decide to actually act on the dream that God has given you. Because a dream without a decision is obviously pretty worthless. It's just so you know that every dream that God has has some risk to it. I'll give you a couple examples of that. When I was single, I was single until I was 30. I uh, didn't meet Beth until I was 28. And one of the reasons I was single is because God says, I want you to be equally yoked, right? We talked about this several weeks ago. And, and the idea of that, I want you to marry a believer, and I was going to be a pastor at some point, so I, especially in the later part of my 20s, I, I really wanted somebody who would be in church with me, you know, on Sunday morning and all those different kinds of things. But I want to do so mostly because God says it was important. Now, if you're single or if you've been single recently, are there a lot of single gals out there or single guys out there worth anything? Show of hands if you think there's a ton no, no, not a ton. That's weird, right? And then when you become a pastor and you get to wear this night white robe, right? And the only time you really meet people is on Sunday morning. And you see a cute girl walk out. It's kind of weird when you go, hey, how you doing? You know, and it just kind of disturbs the whole Sunday morning event, right? But I knew God wanted me to do that. So I was patient. I was patient. Ah, I was patient. And I trusted that God had a plan and finally gives me Beth, which is awesome. You know, another example is, you know, God calls me to go into the ministry, and, man, I did not want to go into the ministry at all. I, I, I bucked against it as much as possible. I, all I knew about pastors is that they were poor and people were mean to them, okay, and that's all I knew. I did not want to do that for a job, but God kept working. He kept working, and fortunately, he led me through a long process of the in-between to get me to that place, but there's always a decision where you say, okay, God, even though I know there's risk here, I'm going to do what you've called me to do. Even sometimes when I don't understand, even sometimes when it's hard, because I know it's the right place for me, and so I know it's the right calling for my life, and I'm going to give up on my dream, and I'm going to pursue your dream. And once you've done that, and you've decided that I'm going to follow God no matter what, he brings us off into a delay phase. I say that because a dream almost never seems to be filled instantaneously. When God gives you an idea of what he wants you to do in your life, and when he actually fulfills it, 
there's often a delay. It was true when I went to decide to, or God moved me to be a pastor. I not only had to go through my senior year of college, but then four years of seminary, and it seemed like forever until I was actually a pastor. And sometimes you ask, well, why is there that delay? Why is there those waiting places like before the train? And it's usually because God wants to refine us and to grow us and to mature us into the person he needs us to be. And that certainly happened for me going through seminary. I think it certainly happens for a lot of us as we wait through those in-betweens of life. It's hard in those in-betweens. Things get difficult and you self-doubt and you get frustrated and you get worried. And that's where God does a lot of the growing too and matures us and gives us a perspective that we didn't have before. Look at the story. In 11 years after God gave Abraham this dream, Abraham still didn't have a kid. It says here now he's 86 years old. Right? But it says here, Sarah still had not born any children. And so what's happened in those 11 years? And I'll tell you, a bunch of nothing. Nothing happened. Abraham's still waiting on this dream. He's calling out to God. He says, when's it going to happen? And he's just waiting on God. He's tempted to doubt. He's tempted to despair. He's tempted to take detours. Just like if there's nobody behind me waiting for that train, I might be tempted to back up and see if I could find another way around. Because I hate waiting. But God says, no, no, Abraham. I want you to wait on me because the fulfillment's going to come through you and Sarah. The, the fulfillment's going to come through this promised son I keep talking about. And then he goes on to another phase, which is the phase of difficulty. Because God not only lets you wait for a while, but while you're waiting so often, he allows it to get more and more difficult, which is a lot of fun usually, you know, as we go through those times. So you go through the stage of difficulty when things go from bad to really bad to worse to impossible. And notice again in the story, Abraham's now 99 years old, still didn't have a son. He's 99, Sarah's 89, and it says this in Scripture, how can a son be born to a man my age? God keeps making him the same promise, and now he's looking at reality, and he's like, it's just, it just can't happen. And not only that, it, it, God makes it worse in this in-between, in this waiting time. His name was Abraham or Abram, which means father of many. And during this waiting time, God says, no, no, no longer going to be called father of many. I'm going to call you Abraham, which means father of a great nation, of many nations. And so you just imagine he goes into the Circle K, and a guy goes, hey, how you, what's your name? And he goes, father of many nations. And he's like, oh, that's cool. How many kids you got? Zero. How old are you? Ninety-nine. I mean, it's just embarrassing at some point. You know, it's just hard. It was certainly a, a test of faith to walk through this, especially with the name change. You got to know what he changed. I want you guys to call me Abraham now. I mean, people were laughing. But eventually God fulfills the dream at one, age 100. They have the miracle baby. And they name him Isaac, which means laughter. Because they laughed at the thought. And if you were 90 and found out you were having a kid, you'd be laughing or crying, right? I mean, make 11, 8 out of 11s. And so she laughs and God laughs. Abraham laughs. And Isaac's name is Laughter. They have a miracle baby. They think it's great. And then comes the most difficult part, the phase of the dead end. The dead end, God allows your dream to seemingly die. Abraham was asked to give up the miracle child. God says, I want you to give him back to me. So get this. Abraham's 100 years old. He finally gets the promised baby in his arms. The boy starts to grow into a, a young man. And God says, by the way, I want you to give him back to me now. I want you to sacrifice him to me on top of a mountain. And Abraham had to be thinking, what kind of God is this? Is this some cruel joke? Is he, he's asking me to sacrifice the very son of the promise? I don't get it. He had to feel pretty hopeless during this whole situation. I love you, God. I know you have what's best for me. I, I know you made this promise. To, what are you doing? 
how do you know when you're at a dead end, too, as you go through life? The answer is you feel just as hopeless. Some of you are at a dead end in your marriage right now. Some of you are at a dead end in getting married right now. Some of you are at a dead end when it comes to your budget or to your career or to your friendships or to your relationships. Some of you are at a dead end physically. And your body's falling apart right now. And when you're at this stage, you know what? You just you can't help it, but you start to doubt God. You start to doubt his wisdom. You start to doubt his love for you. And you say, why is this happening to me? I don't get it. I don't understand. You said this, and this is happening. Cry out, why? Because you're just so out of control. You don't have any power to change it. And if that's where you are today, then I just want to say congratulations in a weird way because it just means God's getting you ready. He's preparing you for the final phase, which is deliverance. Because the greater the dead end, the more hopeless the situation, the greater deliverance, the greater the miracle it's going to be. And you'll say, wow, only God could have accomplished that. If you are on the building committee for any period of time and, and you see what God has done, you say, only God could have accomplished this. Seriously, there was no other way. There's no other funding. Well, I guess somebody could have won the lottery, but he didn't go that way, right? So There's no other way. And yet God did it. Only God could have done that. And so God is getting you ready for a miracle, the miracle of deliverance. And everybody in this room gets to go through these phases over and over and over again as they go through life. They'll do it again and they'll do it again and they'll lead you through these things, processes over and over and over. And so some of you, even right now, are in the midst of this phase. You're in the dream phase or you're getting an idea or you're in the delay phase or the difficulty phase or the dead end phase. But you have to understand how God works us through these times. And if you're going to learn to be patient and keep on believing and waiting on God, you've got to have this understanding. Because I'll even give you the worst possible example. You've been praying for somebody to live and they die. God takes even death and turns it into deliverance of victory, of heaven, of being with him forever. Again, that's only through faith in Jesus. He continually, whether in this life or the next, continually turns our horrible existence, our horrible struggles into deliverances over and over and again. But he says it's got to be more than just understanding that I'm working you through this process. And he goes on to, it gives us a second thing. It's not only is it understanding, but you need to remember. You need to remember what God can do. Why? Because the situation may be out of your control, but it's never out of God's control. And so you don't focus on what you can't do. You focus on what it is that he can do. In Romans 4, 17, Paul kind of talks about Abraham's experience, and he says this, Abraham believed in God who gives life to the dead and creates something out of nothing. That verse right there is a definition of a miracle. In a miracle, here's what happens. Either God brings life to something that is dead, or he creates something out of nothing. That's what God's all about. That's what he can do. That's the extent of his power. He can give life to a dead career. He can give life to a dead marriage, to a dead dream, to a dead finances. He can bring something out of nothing because there's nothing that is impossible for God. Jesus said that. He said, anything is possible if you have faith, if you have trust in this God that can do anything. And notice something very important. What did Abraham put his faith in as you're going through the story with me? Did he believe? What did he believe in? Did he believe in himself? No, he, he didn't think he could do it at all. Did he believe in his feelings? No, he didn't think there was any possible way he could do it at all. Did he have faith in his faith? No. Did he have a lot of positive thinking? No. He just believed in God, which just means this. 
He trusted God even when it was hard. And life does get hard, doesn't it? And situations arise in our life that just put us to the brink where we don't know if we can follow what God has said, where we have temptations to put other things above him, where we want to control the situation, we're afraid to risk. Now, I said before, I'm a, I'm a fan of positive thinking. I am. We've talked about this a lot. But positive thinking and faith are not the same thing. You hear these songs about positive thinking. I heard one the other day. It says, I believe for every raindrop of rain or every drop of rain that falls, a flower grow, grows. And I thought, how dumb is that? I mean, if that was really true, we'd be tiptoeing through dandelions right now. I mean, it's just crazy. <laughs> but positive thinking works in one situation only, in one situation only. It's, it works when you have control over the situation. And so if you believe that you're going to do a good job, Tennessee, you'll do a better job than if you didn't believe that to be true, Okay. But it's absolutely worthless in things that are out of your control. You could say, I hope my mom's going to live. That's not going to change anything. You could say, I hope that he doesn't get hurt in that accident, but that's not going to change anything and if he gets hurt or not. I hope my team wins. That's definitely not working this year. Right? I, I hope I get a job. It's just wishful thinking. Positive thinking is worthless in situations that are beyond your control, especially when you come to the dead ends in life. And when you come to the dead ends of life, you need more than just happy, kind of go-lucky kind of thoughts. You need faith in God. You need to trust God as you go through life. And if we're honest, I think all of us struggle trusting God at, at certain points. We, 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 we struggle trusting that he still loves us, that he still sees, that he still cares, that he still knows. We, we, we struggle in his will versus our will because clearly it's not the same at times. We, we, we struggle thinking that he's still working things for our good when everything around us seems hard. It's hard sometimes to keep trusting God, hence the series that we've been going through. We say we believe certain things that he promises in his word, I tell you, life and Satan, they try to make it so hard. But the only thing that changes circumstances is faith in God. And faith in God works when things are out of your control. And if we're honest, most of life is beyond our control. And so you need faith in God, not merely happy, positive, pretty thinking thoughts, because when you're at a dead end in life, you need to remember what God can do, that anything is, is possible with God, that what is impossible with men is possible with God. And it's one of those things where you either trust it or not. Do you believe that God can fix it, heal it, change it, get you to a place of reconciliation, or do you just believe it's done? And then God goes on, it's more than just having understanding, right? It's more than just remembering what I can do, but then he goes to this last part of rely on my promises and upon my will. And we've talked a lot about that in this series. The Bible says in Romans 4.18, when hope was dead within him, talking about Abraham, Abraham went on hoping in faith. He relied on the word of God. Notice again here it says, when hope was dead within him. And I'll just ask, have you ever felt that way? And hope was dying inside of you. And how do you know if hope's dying inside of you? One of the telltale signs you start using is the word never. I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to have a baby never going to be happy again. I'm never going to change. We're never going to have a good president again. And on and on it goes, right? And hope starts dying within you. And so what do you do when hope starts dying? Do you go on vacation? Do you go to escape? That's what so much of our society does because they just don't know how to handle it. But notice what, notice what Abraham does. It says this, when hope was dead within him, Abraham went on hoping in faith. 
And this wasn't just wishful thinking. This was putting his hope in faith. Faith in God, trusting him when it was hard to trust, knowing that somehow, someway, God still had it. It would still happen, just the way he said. In other words, you keep on believing. But how do you keep on believing when everything in you feels like doubting, when you feel like giving up? And it says here that Abraham relied on God's word. And I'll tell you, there's nothing more reliable you know, I was talking to a gal earlier this week, and she's struggling through one of these difficult phases of life, right? And, and she's like, do you, have, do you have any books that have any, like, verses in it? And I said, well, we got the promise book that we give out in January, and, and I said, we can get you a copy of that. And, and I tell you, it makes a difference when you can go to God's Word, and you can look at what it says, and you can go, man, is what I believe really what I believe, you know? And, and can I trust that in the midst of going through this dark and difficult time? I hope you got this by now during this 50 Days of Faith series, right? Every single message we've talked about digging into God's word is our source of strength and hope as we go through difficult times. And I tell you, if we don't remember them, we're kind of going along by ourselves. But when we dig into it and we know it and we start memorizing it, all of a sudden we have hope when things are hopeless, when we want to give up. Because we start remembering verses like Matthew 19, 26, where it says this, with God... Everything is possible. Galatians 5, 6, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Romans 8, God works all things, even the crummy things, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And I tell you, if you trust those things in the midst of the difficulty, it gives you a different perspective because you look at your life and you look at the difficulty and you look at the hardship and you say, you know what, this isn't it. God's going to get me through this and he's got a better plan on the other side and and I just got to trust. I got to trust that he's got it. Because there is peace and there is blessing and there is strength and there are miracles on the other side. The reality is that if you have the promises of God, you have all of the grace and the mercy and the strength and the hope and the forgiveness that Jesus came for you, died for you, rose for you to have. I mean, God loves you so much. And he desires for you to experience all of his love and his care and his power and his forgiveness. Not only in heaven will it be complete, but on this earth as well. But the way we assimilate those gifts is by faith. By trusting those are for us. By trusting in the in-between. For he says this, when you seek me with all of your heart, I promise you, I will be found by you. And I promise you, I will never, ever leave you. For great is the promise, and great is the love of our God. And all God's people said, amen. Let us pray. Father, as we talk through this waiting stuff, it's hard. It's a time that we get scared. It's a time that we get frustrated and mad. It's a time that we, we just start getting hopeless. And with that hopeless emotion, we get to feeling all sorts of kind of negative emotions and feelings. And we start doubting your love and we start doubting that you care and we start doubting that your plan is good. Father, as we, as we pray through these things, as we talk about this whole subject of faith, we pray that you would give us strength to keep on trusting in the in-between, to keep on trusting when everything in us wants to give up, to keep on trusting so that we can actually put into action what it is that we say it is that we believe, that you are real, 
that you love us, that you have a plan, and that that plan is good. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you for Jesus, and we pray for this strength in his name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.